I'm glad you're here. I'm a little nervous this morning because of subject content. There's few things that get me rattled as much as some of these topics that just that aren't traditionally talked about. Because of background, it makes a lot of people nervous, right? Certain topics, depending on how you're raised, what kind of church you grew up in. Uh, these things that that we get into, such as the end time theology, uh, miraculous spiritual gifts we're going to talk about today, those kind of things tend to polarize people. It's amazing what it does, but uh, over everything else as a church, just so you know, our vision here, connecting the community, connecting in community on the foundation of Jesus, making disciples who serve and reaching out to those around us wherever we're called for the glory of God, is there's certain things like that that we can all rally around, that, that these non-essential things uh, can sometimes divide us, that we can rally around and say we're about the gospel were about sharing Jesus with people regardless of these secondary issues and so hopefully we can all come together around that but we value here as a church being authentic which means not wearing masks and uh, we can be who we are and know we're not going to get rejected for it but we just um, just be who we are and don't have to pretend it's a warm place where you can just feel right at home have some coffee learn about God, we present truth, we don't pressure people, okay, we let the Holy Spirit do the pressuring, God does that, I just present truth and from the Word, and then just whatever God does with that in you, and how you respond, that's up to you, we call it a safe place to hear a dangerous message, right, and so a lot of places you've been to maybe were dangerous places to hear a safe message, right, but this is, this is a safe place to hear a dangerous message, I say dangerous because when the, when the you hear the gospel, you respond to it, you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it changes your heart, which is the greatest miracle ever, right? Is, is It changes your heart, and, that, and so it's dangerous. It can change your life for the good, okay? But it can change it. So today, as much as any, I feel it's kind of dangerous, <laughs> you know, because it's like uh, the message, but because we're talking about spiritual gifts, and I'll address prophecy, healing, and the one that seems to polarize people the most which is speaking in tongues okay and that's that's it's a very decisive decisive divisive topic there there's people on both ends of the spectrum with this one okay and everywhere in between and there are uh charisphobiacs would say right who act as if tongues is some kind of or any miraculous gift is is evil or satanic i mean they'll go that far is to say that's just that's just evil, and then there are those charismaniacs on the other end who is, will go to so far as to say everyone should speak in tongues who's a Christian, and um, it, it's a it, some will put it in the category of being truly saved, but really what that ends trying to say is it's it's being filled with it's a fuller knowledge of God, so to say, or a fuller filling of the Spirit, you know, um, to to really get that as a Christian. And and you can understand people have abused spiritual gifts, and that's what causes a lot of people to be afraid of it and to shy away from those things, uh, makes people leery of them. You know, which m maturity as a Christian is understanding what the purpose of a gift is for and using it for that purpose instead of for some selfish purpose or some, for some other reason. Um 
the immaturity can cause us to misuse those gifts. And so with this today, I'm hoping out of, as much as anything is not so much as to present my side of things, right? But to say, I want to challenge you to get in the word, to have discussions for us to have, have open dialogue about such things as spiritual gifts, about the Holy Spirit, about whatever topics, and be able to do that and walk away loving each other, still knowing we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and, and knowing our intentions are the same, which is to see other people know Jesus. And so uh, I'll start with this with uh, this point that I ended up ended with kind of last week, and that is, is as we look at Scripture, as I was just saying, love for one another trumps gifts. Okay? It's more important. The gospel trumps gifts. The maturity and the intentions of the heart to share Christ with others trumps our gifts. And this is a non-essential issue that does not compromise the gospel unless you believe that tongues is required for salvation. Then there's a works added to salvation that negates what you believe about Jesus. Okay? Otherwise, it does not mean we aren't brothers and sisters in Christ. Okay? I mean, that's, that's sometimes where it goes. It's a if somebody speaks in tongues or someone doesn't believe that we should, if we understand the gospel and rely on it, we may have different positions, but you're on the same side. Okay? You're still on the same team. We don't need to treat each other like we're not. We're, it's still, let's both be on God's side and let's just figure it out together. And today, I, as I present my position, my understanding, I hope to adequately give space and grace to the position of those who view this differently than I do. And I'm not the one with all the answers. Some of you who know me well go, amen, right? You were saying that inside, but you didn't say it out loud, right? And as I have studied, I've come to realize it, it would take several Sundays for me to fully unpack. Like, in my notes at the end, I've already put in my notes, I've ran out of time, I don't have time to finish everything I need to say. Because I know that's where I'm going to get to. Okay. to fully explain everything around this. And my hope is that you'll take today as a jumping off point and then you'll get into this and study for yourself and God let God lead you where you should be on this. I'm totally okay with that. Okay. Now, and, th and this is still the intro, not point one yet. Okay. Well, let's just say it's point one. It'll make some of you feel better, right? Okay. The, the power of the Holy Spirit is just as alive and kicking today as it has always been. Okay? That we need the power of the Holy Spirit for Christian living to be who we're supposed to be. I mean, it's the Holy Spirit is needed no matter what your view on spiritual gifts is. Okay? The Holy Spirit works to bring about salvation. The Holy Spirit works to seal your salvation for eternity. He, he's the power by which you're sanctified or you become more and more like Christ. I mean, we need the Holy Spirit through the whole deal. Okay? You know, back when the space shuttle program, they closed down the space shuttle program. I don't know how many years ago that's been. But you don't know. You know somebody that probably would know. Um, back when that was shut down, space shuttles, those shuttles weighed uh, four and a half 
million pounds. I mean, just get your mind around that and what, what kind of power it would take to get four and a half million pounds off the ground, much less send that into outer space to orbit. I mean, that's an, that's an, like that's beyond my mind's comprehension. That Like, I wouldn't be sitting around with a pencil doing some numbers and go, we could do that, right? Somebody else had to think of that, right? And thank God for those people, okay? It takes seven million pounds of thrust to get that thing off the ground. And that is, that's just amazing, okay? That's a lot of power. Now think about this beyond that, because that's just something man did, right? Think about how much power it would take to create and speak the universe and all that, that that space shuttle's within and was made, to create all that has been made. Think of the power it would take to do that. Right? Think of the power it takes to, to, to sustain and hold all that together. Right? That's a lot of power. That's, that's God power. And what's cool is God does that with his feet kicked up. It's not like a, a hard day for God, right? It's, it's not like he's wore out after creating the universe, okay? It's not that way at all. How much power does it take to save a person's soul? It's a lot of power. God has more power than we can ever imagine. It's no problem for him. It's not a hard day's work for him ever. And that power is what he uses to work in us and through us to bring glory to himself. And that, that power is amazing. Um, the Johnstons aren't here this morning. I was going to tell a story on them that's absolutely not true and pretend like it was. Um, so we'll just do it anyway. But they were recently up in New York for their son's wedding, which is true. It's, you, there's enough truth in there to get people thinking it's true, okay? And his family was there for New York in New York for the wedding, and they had gone over to look at Niagara Falls, you know, at the Canadian-New York border. And, and Randy said to Lisa, they're sitting there looking at that going, wow, look at all that, how much power there is in that water falling over those falls. And, and, and Randy says to Lisa, you know, that's, I believe that's probably the most untapped, the greatest untapped power source in the world. You know? And Lisa said, no pumpkin, because that's what she calls them now that she lives in Tennessee. Um, no pumpkin. The Holy Spirit is the greatest untapped source, power source in the universe. To which Randy appropriately said, yes, honey, you're right. Right? Okay. So regardless of my position as a cessationist, and I'll, I'll explain what that is more fully today, I believe the Holy Spirit works through us just as strong by his power, if we tap into it, okay? Now, you know I'm not much on camps, okay? There's there's people who fall in, they say, I'm, I'm in the Armenian camp, or I'm in the Calvinist camp, or, or it may be that I'm in the complementarian camp, or the egalitarian camp, you know, all these different camps. And those are just different beliefs on certain issues like women in ministry, or it may be end times theology or we're elected or we choose, you know, there's all these camps and you know I usually fall maybe strongly to one side but not all the way because I don't think we have all the answers to all these things. But anyone who deeply studies this issue on tongues and doesn't just follow what they've always followed because they grew up in a certain church, 
to get into what this all has to say deeply, this, you know, they usually will lean to a cessationist or a continuationist viewpoint, okay? And you're going, I have not, you, you feel like you're in seminary this morning, okay? And a lot of what I talk about will feel that way. But I'll explain, hopefully, well enough. And and so they'll fall in one of those two categories. And what that means is a cessationist believes that the miraculous and would say sign gifts, and what does sign do? They point to something else, to the gospel, to Jesus, right? The, the miraculous sign gifts such as prophecy and tongues and healings ceased after the apostles. Or maybe more specifically the completion of the the canon of scripture or as we'll see today when God was finished speaking to the Jews and and turned to the uh, to the Gentiles okay we'll, we'll close that up okay you're making me nervous over there okay me and Brad have had like text conversations for like a month I think on this issue so He's like over there rolling the dice. I have no idea where this is going. Okay, but what that means is 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 the miraculous sign gifts for a cessationist have have ceased after the the era of the apostles. Okay, for a reason, and and not that God doesn't give us knowledge and understanding and prophecy today, not that miracles don't happen, not that God doesn't heal people, not that God can't give a, a missionary or somebody in a place where. Uh, they don't understand the language. They give them the gift of that language that they don't understand to be able to speak in that moment and share the gospel or whatever it may be, okay? Not that miracles don't happen, okay? But that those sign gifts of the person being able to do those things at will does, has has ceased, okay? Um, miracles still happen, not just not in the same way as they did in previous time periods, okay? And I'll explain all that in just a minute, okay? There's just not time to get into all this. Like, I need, need too much time, okay? Um, but it just doesn't work the same now because we have the, the finished word, the Bible, and the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and so things just work differently, okay? A continuationist believes, okay, that the Bible teaches that those sign gifts or miraculous gifts of prophecy, healing tongues, and so on, have continued just as the same as they did from like, uh, more specifically, from um, Pentecost, that when, when the Holy Spirit came and gave those spiritual gifts, have continued, it's just still continue today, all the same, okay? Now, in all my studying and listening to various scholars, commentators, and pastors on both sides, like, like you, you can, I can point you to a couple people and go, I have tried to, I have tried to, to actually undo my position as a as a cessationist, and try to understand the other side and get this. But I, the, what I understand when you when you look at all this, is the main issue seems to come down to to just that. What I was talking about is, do you, based on your interpretation of Scripture, believe in I guess this would have two sides to it. One, dispensations, which is just time periods. And two, did things change after the apostles or not? That seems to be where the, the line for people comes down to. Okay? 
And so dispensations just means time periods. Okay? Dispensationalism. You'll hear that, like especially referred to in end times theology of in the premillennial view. People will usually say I'm a premillennial dispensationalist because they break down time periods in that. Okay? And I adhere to that. Okay? So some of you don't just write me off right now, okay? If you're if you disagree with that, just don't go, oh, forget it then. Okay? We can talk about this. Let's just let's just understand this together. And I welcome conversations. People who know me know that. I'd, I'd be happy to sit down with you, and I'd love to get your email and your insights to all this stuff. Okay, but look at let's start with Hebrews one verses one and two. Okay, I want to point out something too. Remember in context who things were written to. That this is Hebrews. This is written to Jews. Okay. So you have to keep that in mind as you read things is context, context, context is always the deal, okay? Which I know everybody who argues their point always argues that point, okay? But sometimes a lot of what I've read, especially on the continuationist side, seems to just just little snippets and you don't get the full scripture, the full deal to understand the picture of what's being talked about. Okay, so Hebrews 1, 1 and 2, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, Okay, so he's being specific about what he's talking about here. He's talking about time periods. In many portions, you'll see some translations may say various instead of many, or may say in many times instead of portions. Okay, I like the NASB, but that's just my preference. Okay, in the prophets, in many portions, and in many ways. Okay, listen to what he's saying. In these last days... He has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. So that phrase, in many portions, like I said, you, you know, some translations I can say various times, in many times and in many ways, but in these last days. You see how there's a breakdown in, in different ways God worked in different times. That's very clear there to me. Okay? God in his knowledge and his wisdom and his all-powerful, his sovereign sovereignty, he, he sees it and says, I need to work this way here, I need to work this way here because of how things change in the world and in what he's doing, okay? So God works differently in different times. That's just dispensationalism. That's what that big word is. A dispensation is a time period. So like the Edetic time period dispensation, right, is... We're in seminary, okay? So what that time period is, is the Garden of Eden. That's Adam and Eve. And God worked a certain way and spoke to people. He walked with them in the garden. That was different than today, right? So there's that time period where God worked a certain way with them, okay? So God walked with Adam and spoke directly to them. That that way in the in that time period... It happened that way, and then he stopped working that way, okay? Then there's the antediluvian time period that's talked about, which is before the flood, okay? God worked a certain way then, okay? Then there's the post-diluvian time period, which is after the flood. He worked a certain way then. Then you get to the mosaic uh, or time of the law, and of course God worked that. He worked through the law during that time. He'd speak to Moses, right? And Moses would speak to the people, or he'd write it on tablets and give the law to the people, right? 
So that was different than how he worked in the garden, right? It's different than how when he spoke to Moses. He didn't walk with Moses. He spoke to Moses, right? So you see that there's different ways God spoke and he worked through people, okay? Then in the New Testament, you can break that down in, in the ecclesiastical time period, which is what, what we're in, the church age, some people would call it. But then there's also what many believe, and I believe this as well, okay? That there's the uh, apost apostolic period, okay, age within that church age. That there's a there's a different way he worked then, okay. And and so we would be in a post apostolic period now. So then you then you get the end time theology and it gets really messy there, and that would be like a, a whole nother ten week series, okay. And and depending on what you believe. And, and that's just, we just don't have time for all that, okay? Now, that apostolic age, where I get that, is based on 1 Corinthians 13. So you look at 1 Corinthians 13. We're going to read 1 through 10. There's a lot of stuff in there, and a lot of it I can't. I'm hoping you'll you'll do your own research, okay? There's a, I would reference you to, there was a sermon John MacArthur did. If you just look up John MacArthur, and, and some of you get put off right there, I just want to mention that. Some of you are like, yeah, I agree with you already, okay? Uh, depending on how you feel about John MacArthur. John MacArthur, very solid, in my opinion. I don't agree with him about everything. None of us do. We agree with each other on everything. Okay? But John MacArthur, you can look up miracles. Uh, I think it's called something like miracles, tongues, healings. If you just search that, grace to you is the, the ministry it's through. And listen to that message. Very good. Explains well beyond what I, I have. I can do right now. Okay, but First um, Corinthians 13, I, uh, 1 through 10 says this. I'll read in ASB. That's where I, my these versions come from. Uh, King James, um, ESV, all those things are good. They're just translations. I like the NASB because it's more, it's considered the most accurate word-for-word word translation instead of paraphrase. Uh, NASB, ESV, King James would be next in the order of most accurate word-for-word uh, -word translations. Okay? 13, verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. Okay, here's where, this is where I get that statement of love just trumps these things. Okay? Because if you don't have love, it doesn't matter if you have those things. And it says it here. If I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, not if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and I, if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So this covering of love, love is patient and kind, love does, does not envy or boast, it is not arrogant or rude, it does not insist on its own way, it's not irritable or resentful. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping and the reason I read this back part is, is so that we land there no matter what we believe on today's subject. So if you get aggravated with me, you just still love me anyway, okay? That's, that's my hope, okay? Maybe that's a selfish motive, I'm sorry, but I still love you regardless of what you think about these things. It is not irritable and resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Okay, now listen to where it goes. This is interesting that it would be talking about that, and about these gifts, and then and talking about love, and then he goes into love never ends, okay? 
But then, listen, as for prophecies, they will pass away. I want you to notice specifically the wording used for each of these gifts. Okay? As for prophecies, they will pass away is what's used. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it won't, and it goes back to the, what it said about prophecy, pass away. Okay? So there's something different that happens with prophecy and knowledge than with tongues. Okay? Pass away is a more gradual, it's a changing before gone instead of a just stops, ceases. Okay? For we know in part and we prophesy in part. See where it goes? I'm getting ahead of myself. But because it because it, now it's in part. Okay, see so there's a changing in the way it works. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. Notice that tongues was not mentioned in that second in the second part of that. For we know in part, prophesy in part. Why? Because I believe tongues ceased. So we don't there's no need to address it anymore. Okay? When I became a man, uh, or, excuse me. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I I gave up childish ways. I, it'll be it would probably be offensive if I related that to all the what this means and stuff like that. Um, and what I believe about that maturity. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Okay. You see that? So it, you see here the difference in how it talks about what happens to each of those things. I believe prophecy and knowledge of God still happens, but but it's right here. Okay? It's right here. For us today, it's right here. Okay? It's the Bible. It's the this canon of Scripture. It's saying it's complete. It is all we need for those things, okay? And I can see the argument with with prophecy and knowledge being what's talked about. But most would say it means like, like when it says when the perfect comes, some might go so far as to say, well, it means well, this has been, this is complete. It means the perfect is, the canon of scripture is complete, so that's what that means. I've, I lean more towards it means when Jesus returns and we see him face to face, okay? Because he's the only one that's perfect, but there's a synonymous understanding of the word in Jesus, okay? The word became flesh and dwelt among us. But I, when the perfect comes, what what does that mean, okay? And and so that, that becomes... Um, the main issue with this verse between people who vary, okay? But you you see the difference in how these these things are talked about. I skipped ahead of myself. I, I believe in prophecy and knowledge of God still happens, but it's right here in the Word. It's the Word preached and the Word shared with someone, okay? You quoting a verse to someone or telling someone a spiritual truth in your own words. That's That's prophetic, okay? Sharing a biblical view with someone or correcting someone or guiding them with the words you speak that are within the confines of what we see in Scripture. It's it's this now the standard, okay? It's not what a prophet said in the Old Testament of thus saith the Lord. It's now 
what does the Bible say? What does the Word say? Because we have that now, okay? There isn't anything new a person can say on behalf of God after the Bible was complete. He, he said it right here, everything we need, which you get to Revelation, tells you that's true, okay? That all that is complete, this is all we need now, that, this, that we have this, okay? So you can see in these verses that after it says tongue cease, the very next verse says, we know in part, we prophesy in part, not like the Old Testament, the way we prophesied then. Now we have the whole Bible. But tongues is not even mentioned, like I said. Why? Because I believe it ceased. But don't get upset because if you believe the continuationist view, you believe that it hasn't ceased, and that's okay. Because the kicker in these verses is what you do with verse 10, that whole thing of when the perfect comes. Because there is an argument to say, well, tongues is mentioned, and it, and it doesn't say that they, these things will pass away or cease until the perfect comes, until Jesus comes, which would carry through this age. So I can, you know, you can see that argument. But there again, context, okay? When the perfect comes. And so the continuationists can argue that. Um, that's the debate among scholars, okay? When do they actually cease? And I just see in those verses, tongues is already, was already removed in the explanation by the Apostle Paul. And that prophecy and knowledge will pass away, meaning gradual or changing before ending, right? God walked with Noah, God talked to Moses. As I went through that, you saw how God changed in the way he spoke. I believe, so I believe that that's just a changing in the way he speaks. <clears throat> it's now through the word. Spirit enters people, you learn the scriptures, and so you have the word and the Holy Spirit internal that guides you, and, and we have that. We don't need somebody out there. And you can see what happens if you have prophets today because you get into things like, oh, you can have multiple wives. Oh, no, you can't. Oh, yeah, you can. Oh, you can do this. You can do that. You can do this. And, and, and what are we to measure anything anybody says anyway? It's about what it says in the Bible. It doesn't match scripture. It doesn't matter what they say, okay? Then it's wrong, okay? It's it, And I'll go ahead and throw this point in there because this is where the, this gets to. If today three preachers come into town, this is a John MacArthur illustration, if three people come into town here and they set up tents and they all preach a different message, how do I know which one's legit and from God? Because they do speak in tongues and healings and line people up and 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 say, God's give me a word for you and you should go get another job? Is that how I know they're legit? No. This is how I'm, I would believe the one who most accurately preaches this. That his message most accurately matches that. Okay? In the New Testament, in the Apostles' time, during the New Testament when it was written, what did they, did they have this? No, they didn't. So how do you so if three preachers roll into town preaching different messages, how did they know who was legit? We'll get into that. Okay, that's where we're going to go next. Okay. If you but if here's the thing, if you say prophets work today like they did in the Old Testament, then you're saying the Bible is not sufficient for us. It's not enough. 
that I, I need one of you to be a prophet for me because the Bible isn't enough for me. Okay, that's where you get into, okay? So, given that same illustration of those three preachers rolling into town back during New Testament time, if the apostles are sitting around, how did they know a legit message? The confirmation during Jesus' time on earth of him being from God, how was Jesus' message even confirmed to people then? Scripture says it's by the miracles that he performed. It would say it's, even Jesus himself said, if you don't believe what I say, look at the evidence of my works. Look at what I have done, right? Scripture says it's by the miracles he performs. It also says those gifts were given to the apostles during their time for the same reason. The, the scripture is specific about this, okay? It, it was given to them for their time for the same reason, to confirm their message because they didn't have, they were, this wasn't complete. They were, the New Testament wasn't there, okay? So that unbelievers would believe their message about Jesus. Okay? That it was real because there was no scripture. And, and here's where I get to, okay? God's timing and his understanding, his wisdom is amazing because what happens when people pull off miracles today? What does our world say? They put it in all kinds of categories. They go, ooh, that's the David Copperfield category, right? He's some kind of illusionist or magician. He's from Satan. He's like, today, people don't equate miracles all the time with God, okay? They probably shouldn't, okay? So, so you have to be careful. You know, you've heard me say, you ask God for a sign about something, the devil will put up a billboard, right? You got to be careful. Because he, MacArthur would say, and this is part I haven't, research there's certain pieces i just haven't got to he says um satan in the new testament there's places acts 2 um no not acts 2 matthew 17 there's certain places where satan it, it verifies that satan performed healing satan could heal people so you have to be careful not all spirits are of god we're to test the spirits right that's what the bible says but today, there's so much technology and stuff going on. Those things, don't they don't catch people's attention and verify a message like they would have at this time. Okay? It, it's a different time, and God is smart about this. Okay? So, so you, have, you have to be careful, okay, um, about what you see about those positions. And I've, I've gotten off track, okay? So... Different times, working different ways. So I agree with, with someone like Don MacArthur who says, you know, if those three preachers rolled into town today, who would you believe? The one that most accurately teaches the scriptures. Okay? The, the apostles, if you say they, they work today the same way like the Old Testament, then you're saying the Bible is not sufficient. Okay? So, unbelievers were a focus, but there were specific unbelievers that were a focus of why Jesus did what he did and, and worked through the apostles, the Holy Spirit worked through the apostles the way that it did. Okay? Um, let's look at, we, we can look at the word and know what God has, has to say to us through the scriptures, so let's look at 
Hebrews 2, 3 and 4. Let's see what this says. It says, How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? If it was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness, how? By signs and wonders. Signs do what? Point to something. Tell you, tell you about something. Okay. Signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. Understand, okay, when you're reading this, so those gifts, those specific spiritual gifts had a, a certain purpose. Okay? I talked about last week about gifts being faith to faith that they're for the building up of the church. There are permanent edifying gifts that we see in Scripture that are listed that we I don't have time to list, but there's but then there's what the Bible it puts in categories. Then there are gifts that are referred to as sign gifts, miraculous gifts that that I'm talking about more today. Okay, do you understand what I'm saying here? These are gifts specifically distributed by the Holy Spirit according to His will and God's sovereignty for signs for us for specific purpose. Look at Mark 16, 14 through 20. Okay? It said, Afterward he appeared to the eleven. This is before he ascends, right? And he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at, at table, and he rebuked them for, for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. They're, they're like, I'm not sure about this whole resurrection thing, right? Remember doubting Thomas, all that kind of thing? And he said to them, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Listen to what it says. And these signs will accompany those who believe. They're signs for a certain reason. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. If you want to get technical, there's the argument of the literal... Accurate translation of, of tongue is not tongues, it's languages and not interpreters, but translator. Okay? It says they will speak in new tongues, they will pick up serpents with their hands. Hello. Right? And that if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. If we believe, now listen to this part, understand this, okay? If we believe that these signed gifts were for all of us today, that it's continued and it's still today, then we should be joining the Appalachian snake handlers. That's what this says. And with those of what's called the Church of the Firstborn who drink poison. And let me just give you some warning ahead of time. Most often it doesn't work the way they think it's going to work. Okay? This doesn't work out real well. Okay? If we believe those signed gifts that these gifts talk about are for today, then there's no reason why if we're doing these other things, we should be joining in on this as well. Okay? Awkward silence. It's good stuff, right? Verse 19. So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God, and they went out and preached everywhere while the Lord worked with them and confirmed the message, you see the purpose, by accompanying signs. 
specific purpose for that time period. Sign miracles to validate the message. Casting out demons, speaking tongues or new language, handling snakes, drinking poison or not dying, healing, all those things. Okay? 1 Corinthians 14, 21-22. I'm doing a little better than I thought I would. Okay? On my time. Um, 1 Corinthians 14, 21-22. In the law, it is written. Okay, now understand what this, what he, now it's in quotes, right? Okay, now this is, he's referring back to, Paul's referring back to Isaiah 28. I don't remember what verse. I just know it's in chapter 28. This same thing is written, and what he's saying is these things will be as a sign to these people. Who are these people? The Jews. He's talking about Israel. He's specifically talking about a certain people. By people of strange tongues, speaking in tongues, and by the lips of foreigners, speaking their their language without knowing it, and by the lips of foreigners will I speak to this people. If you go back to Isaiah 28, he's talking about Israel. And even if they will not listen to me, says the Lord, thus tongues are not a sign for believers, but unbelievers. Specifically, what unbelievers? Jewish unbelievers who don't believe Jesus who he says he is. These are signs to confirm to the Jews Jesus is legit. Okay? And there are basically four types of, I guess you could put them in these categories, gifts listed in the New Testament that are these sign gifts, miraculous gifts, which are just just general miracles like the handling serpents, drinking the poison, healing tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Or, like I said, better languages or translation of languages. That's the exact Greek rendering. Okay, that's not just me wanting it to be that. Okay. Now they have no here's the thing, there's no continuing role in the body that I see from Scripture for those things, as we shall see. But but existed for that apostolic era designed to confirm the word before the New Testament canon was complete. And specifically uh, while God was still directly okay doing signs in the face of Israel to them, for them, okay? If you look closely in the book of Acts and, and other places in the New Testament, you will see, pay attention, when you read those things and you see those gifts used, there's always Jews present. There's always Jews present. Why? Because it was for that purpose, as Scripture obviously says, Okay? And so if you look closely, you'll see that. So then there is the understanding that once this turns to the Gentiles, okay, you don't see it anymore. And even in Scripture, chronologically, as you read it, once it turns to the Gentiles, the, you don't see those signed gifts happen anymore. In fact... Even in the early church, for the first four to five hundred years, there's no record. Some would say for eighteen hundred years, because the only records you do find are people that end up being called heretics and are demon possessed and doing crazy stuff. Okay, and there's only like one or two. There's one example in the first five hundred years. He was declared a heretic. Said he was the only person that was a had the Holy Spirit and was from God. Okay. He was crazy. 
It's the only example in history, as people have researched it, in those first 500 years, that you can find anybody that in the church that used these miraculous sign gifts. Now, do you think God gave that to the church and then just it just vanished for the first 500 years? Okay? Even by the time Paul wrote Ephesians, he says there will be evangelists and teaching shepherds, right? He says they will build the body, but makes no mention at all of these miraculous sign gifts, okay? Then when you read Paul's letters to Timothy and Titus, you find that the main tool, what he emphasizes to them, is preach the word, preach the word, teach sound doctrine, teach sound doctrine. At a certain point, that's all it becomes. He doesn't say anything about spiritual gifts. It becomes teach sound doctrine, teach sound doctrine, teach sound doctrine. He continually says that. We no longer need to to substantiate revelation, written revelation. We don't don't have to substantiate this. It's It's now a closed system. The Bible declared it is this is it. Okay? And you can study that history of miracles. You can look in the Bible and see. Some of you that came to the the class last Sunday night, I, I explained this. You see historically in the Bible, there were time pe- the Bible is not full of these signed gifts. Even in the Old Testament. It's not there. Okay? People just assume it's all through the Bible, that these miracle, miraculous sign gifts and prophecy, speaking in tongues, all these things happened all throughout the Bible. It did not, okay? There's only, there's basically, what I say, three time periods, depending on what you do with Elijah and Elisha. Some say four. But there's basically certain time periods. You got the time of Moses. Now listen to what I'm saying, where gifts, these things happened at will by the hands of men, okay? There's the time of Moses, okay? There's the time of Elijah and Elisha. And then you move to the time of Jesus and the apostles. Any other time in Scripture, it's not there. Okay? God working in different ways at different times, dispensationally. Okay? Different times in different places. Okay? And so, there's a great long time, actually, between Elijah and Elisha and the apostles and Jesus. Okay? Very long time. And that nothing, none of that happened. Okay? And then all of a sudden, the life of Christ, the apostolic era, happened. Miracles had a limited purpose and a limited time always in Scripture. And people just don't continually do miracles. The gift of miracles today, I believe, has ceased with the ceasing of the apostolic era. To be able to drink poison, to be able to handle snakes, to walk around and perform all kinds of wonders and signs and mighty deeds is something that belonged to that era. Now listen, because I know what's in your head. I'm not saying God can't heal somebody. God can't do a miracle today. Okay? It's just different today. What does it... I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay? So, now, if in... Think about this, okay? And I I know there's some guys in here that are like, ooh, pivot point, okay? If in 70 AD, okay, God destroyed... Jerusalem and that whole system and and stop dealing with Israel and turn to the Gentiles, then by that fact, if these were sign gifts, 
then by that fact alone, tongues had to cease because God is no longer in the business of giving special signs to Israel. True? If you understand what the Bible says about that, okay? He has for the time temporarily done what to Israel? What does Scripture say? Blinded them, right? Okay? Set them aside and blinded them, okay? I believe they have ceased at the hands of men for that reason because they were for that purpose at that time. Okay, God still performs miracles. And here's how I'd say the biggest way God answers is, is does miracles today. He answers prayer. Okay, it's the number one way God answers, does miracles today. He answers prayer. So I may pray for you to be healed. Okay, I can, I've brought up this before. We, my wife's Aunt Lynn, she had a huge tumor. Um, doctor said, I've never seen anybody alive that had a tumor in them that large. We prayed and it was gone. Okay, it was that kind of deal. And she called us, and there's some a couple guys here that were there, Tony and Brad. We gathered down there at Kingswood Church with her, just her, just us, as James 5 says, to gather the elders, lay on hands and pray. And we did that. Okay. And and she was, she was healed of it. Okay. Did I do that? Did Brad do that? Did Tony do that? We just prayed. God did that. Miracles still happened. It, it wasn't that she just had to call me up and go, hey, do you have this, the gift of healing? Would you just come over here and smack me in the forehead and I'll, you know, we'll get this over with? Right? And, and I, I don't mean to make fun, but it's, it's that kind of... People can't do that. Okay? Oh, not enough time. There's, there's nothing in all of Paul's writings and Timothy, okay, about those things. When you talk about Paul, his writings to Timothy and, and, and Titus, what, what does he say to those guys about being an evangelist, about being a pastor? Nothing about miracles or those gifts. There's no indication of, of the doing of, of those miracles as even an emphasis, even in Paul's own life, okay? After he went to Philippi for a period of at least two years, it says nothing about miracles, okay? There never was any record of miracles at Antioch, at Corinth, at Thessalonica, Berea, so on and so on. None of those places. Why? There was, there was a certain time, right? Very limited, very temporary. As, as time passes in the New Testament for these guys, it vanishes from the scene. There's a point... A couple instances um, towards the end at places where Paul wrote about where he he had he wanted to heal a friend and he couldn't. He was passing away, right? Not being able to heal people, like I said last week. You know, just even in James, okay, this which was written before First Corinthians, chapter was written before First Corinthians, okay, chapter five. What I was just talking about about calling together the elders, says where I'm getting ahead of myself. Listen, it says, is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with the oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick and the Lord will raise him up. It does not say, and call the one who has this gift of healing, Okay, it, does, it doesn't say anything about that. It says prayer of faith. Okay, 
Can God still heal? Yes. There's a reason these guys come into town in a tent or go to a stadium and line up believers, which the sign gift was not even meant for, and don't go down to Children's Hospital down here in Knoxville and just clean the place out. If that's legit and for real, go do that. But they can't because it's not a, it was a sign gift for them, not for now, okay? You read about Jesus and those who he healed. You know what's interesting? You know who Jesus healed? Unbelievers. Why? Because it was to confirm his message and who he was to people who did not believe. As scripture says, was the purpose. Okay? It was to confirm his claims. And so with the apostles was the same way as a sign given to them as to validate the message of Jesus they were proclaiming. Okay? Paul in later years tells Timothy to, to take a little wine for his stomach. I'm not propagating that, okay? It's what Paul says. For his stomach to make him well. Why would Paul say that if, there, if there's people out there with the gift of healing? Why wouldn't he say, hey, go find so-and-so, okay? People lining up in the church to get healed by someone is not biblical. It is not in Scripture. You don't see it anywhere. Okay, and listen, I could go on and on about my position as a cessationist. I think you get the point and what the understanding is of this. Do I? Is there areas I still struggle with certain? Like, what do you do with where it talks about praying in tongues? Although, when you look at First Corinthians, you get into fourteen. You got to understand the context because people will take little snippets of that and use it to validate doing certain things. And you got to take it in context of what was happening, which was in Corinth, they were taking culture of this pagan culture that was into babbling and going into this euphoric state to connect with the gods, all these gods they believed in as pagans. And and once they would get into this euphoric state of because of, they were going crazy, and connected with this God, they would begin to speak the language of the gods. Okay, so that was getting meshed in with this whole thing in, in the church that had been this speaking in tongues as a sign gift for unbelieving Jews. And now, where are they at in Corinth? No Jews. It's a Greek area. So now this has infiltrated, and so Paul's having to go. Whoa, wait a minute. Okay. But with Paul's understanding of those gifts and what they were, and maybe not knowing exactly when they end. He's having to pull the reins in, and he even says to him, hey, this is not for you. I mean, that's what he says to him. He says, this isn't for you. This is not, you're doing this wrong. And, and he says to him, even if this was for you to do then, this is how it would happen. It would be one or two of you, and, and there would be a translator always, not just, you never saw mass people in a church speaking in tongues all at once. It's not biblical at all, okay? One or two interpreter. So, but it does talk about certain ways that I, that's where I'm at right now in my studies is what do you do with the praying in tongues, people by themselves. But it does say it edifies yourself. It does not help edify the church. So it's not for the church. Okay? It's, it's, that's a personal prayer life thing. Okay? That part I haven't come to a conclusion with. But, but I have trouble reconciling that with that sign gift has ended. Okay? You understand my dilemma on that. Okay? But if you do that, 
we love each other. You can do that. It, what does that? It's okay. Okay, it's okay. I could be wrong. Okay, I I leave room for that. Okay, so I leave room for discussions and learning, and I I'm, I don't have all knowledge. I don't know. Okay, but you understand my what wh- the way I look at those things and where it, it I struggle with things. Okay. When the, but when the church gets sick, we're to pray for one another, okay? And, and there's certain ways that works today. Um, but that pray, that's the part I struggle with, and I didn't know where to go with that. I'm, I'm not sure where I land on that. But if you do do that, pray in tongues, don't worry, okay? Um, if you do, that's for you. Um, do I discount my brothers and sisters who speak in tongues? No. Some of you know this, okay? We're at Kingswood, okay? Listen. Um, Assembly of God pastor who would preach at our church every now and then, okay? Remember Bryce, okay? We disagreed on certain things, but he knew when he was in the pulpit at at our church, there's certain things I stay away from, okay? Because that's not for this church. If I would go to a church that believed in Still speaking in tongues and that stuff. Would I go preach there? Sure. It's my brothers and sisters in Christ. Why would I not? But I'm going to stay away from my position on that at their church and respect that. Okay? We show love for one another. And there's so much in the Bible that we agree on, like the gospel, that we don't have to let that one part divide us. That's immaturity. Okay? This issue should not divide Christians at all. Just like Calvinism, Armenianism, or in time, it should not divide us unless it compromises the gospel. That's the only place it will divide me with somebody. I'm not going to compromise the gospel. Secondary issues, we can disagree, and it's okay. And we can still go out here and reach people and serve this group of these families that their kids are deployed out, or families deployed out. We can serve them together, share the gospel with them. We can go over to Thornhill and do that. We can do that in Honduras as we go there. We can try to reach our community here. There's no reason we can't work together and spread the gospel and show our community that we love each other regardless of our differences. There's there's no reason we can't do that. We can't do that together, okay? And it and it's and, and so that's that's how I handle that. There there are many other gifts listed that are not mentioned as sign gifts that we teach on, and we try to. That's what the class was last week: is gift of administration, pastor shepherding. There's so many gifts, exhortation that that are talked about in Scripture, not as sign gifts, but as permanent edifying gifts to the church to help build up faith. Okay, so you can read about those Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, those places. Read Acts and watch for these. And when you see them, take the context, who it's written to, what purpose. There's always Jews present. It's for a sign for that. So let's talk about what we believe with each other and about these things and about gifts and be open about that and not afraid. Okay? I still stand in a position to say, God, if I'm wrong about tongues and what, hit me with it. It's fine. I'm, I'm good. I don't want to be ignorant to or not open to anything God would want to teach me. Although, as MacArthur would say, it is tough for God to get past my blind spots. 
okay? And I probably have worse ones than somebody like John MacArthur does, okay? Younger and less experienced, less knowledgeable, right? And, and so I want to know what God has to say about these things. So I, I, man, I have, I have mulled over this and just for weeks. But I would just, where I wanted to make sure an end is, I am not afraid of the working of the Holy Spirit just because I'm a cessationist. God can still do miracles, can do amazing things through us. There's, these things should not divide us. We need, to, we need to heed the warning of Scripture and not add to or take away, and I pray that I haven't, and I know I have a lot to learn, and I pray and I, that I keep on learning and growing as a pastor, and I pray that you will do that with me as well, that you'll get into these Scriptures. Let us continue to love one another, reach out to those around us, let's get in our Bibles, let's study, let's talk with one another, with one another and just reach people with the Gospel for the glory of God, okay? This should not divide anyone. I just hope it opens conversation. And I'm just out of time. That's what it says right here. I'm just out of time. Okay? Okay? Aren't you glad I put that in there, right? You're like, amen, brother. That's the best point you got in there. Number 15. Okay? Didn't even touch on the guidelines Paul gave. Okay? How tongues even happen and all that stuff. Okay? Not for validation of salvation. Not everyone will have that gift. All that stuff. You read all that stuff yourself. Okay? Read it and learn. Okay? So let's pray together as we close. I, I just pray today that you are truly indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Okay? That you know God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's my, my prayer for you this morning. Not that you figure everything out, but that you know the one who has it all figured out. And so as you pray this morning, as we pray together, um, if you don't know him, if you don't know the miraculous things he can do through you, I pray that he would reveal that to you. He would draw you to himself right now and just call you out to be his and that you would respond by surrendering to him, by re repenting. That big word that just you hear in church, repent, you're like, what is that? That's just turning from yourself and your sin and turning to Jesus. I'm turning from myself as Lord of my life and I'm turning to Jesus as Lord of my life. I'm turning from myself and my own self-righteous, self-saving ways and I'm turning to Jesus for His righteousness and His saving and the work that He has done. It's by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone. And so I pray that right now, if you have it, you would surrender to Him and He would begin to work through His Holy Spirit in you to do amazing things. He can change your life truly. And so right now, you just have that conversation with Him. You just, you just surrender yourself to Him and say, God, I'm giving myself to You best I know how. Thank You for dying on the cross in my place for my sin. That I could be forgiven. That I could be changed. I could be indwelt by the Holy Spirit and given new life. And be used by You for such amazing things. Father, I pray that we would grow together and learn from each other, but most importantly from your word, that we would be people of the Bible. Let us pursue sound doctrine, Father. Help us in understanding and may your Holy Spirit just reveal things to us our flesh can. Father, help us to be mature in our gifts and use them for the purpose for which you gave them to us, Lord. 
to, to know you and to know your will, to have our main focus on the gospel and sharing the message with unbelievers and for the building up of the body of believers. May we just, we just seek out those things, Father. So let our motives be purified, Father. Let, let our, our hearts be clear in what we're to be about. And we just hope that above all things, people look at us and see Jesus. And so it's in His name we pray. Amen. Uh-huh.